Good morning, Orlando. This is Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning Trump's legal team claims he can't obstruct the Russia probe, and a hole opens and subsequently closes State Road 434. We'll have those details coming up in one minute. And on what Trump's legal team said, what do you think? Can the president obstruct justice? We'll get to that next. And good Monday morning. It's 6.01 on News Radio 1025. President Trump's legal team is arguing that the president cannot obstruct an investigation. The New York Times obtained a letter from Trump's lawyers to special counsel Robert Mueller, which claims the president can't obstruct the Russia probe because he can legally end any investigation at any time. The lawyers also say that Mueller's investigation has been a burden on Trump and has endangered the security of the country. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Canada's prime minister finds U.S. tariffs on Canada insulting and unacceptable. On on NBC's Meet the Press, Justin Trudeau said the entire thing about tariffs is coming about because President Trump and his administration have decided that Canada and Canadian steel and aluminum is a national security threat to the U.S. Trump is imposing a 25 percent tariff on steel imports and 10 percent on aluminum. Trudeau added Canada is putting the same kinds of tariffs exactly on steel and aluminum coming from the U.S. into Canada to be directly reciprocal. In the meantime, primaries are set in eight states tomorrow. Voters will cast ballots in California, Alabama, Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, and South Dakota. The primaries will determine candidates for November's national midterm elections. Democrats hope a blue wave of enthusiastic Dems will help them regain control of the U.S. House and possibly the Senate. Republicans are counting on an improving economy to help them keep losses to a minimum. And the generic ballot between Republicans and Democrats has tightened up a lot in the past few months. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we never really paid, paid attention to primaries like this before. Yeah, exactly. But we are now. Locally, before you get behind the wheel this morning, uh, morning rush hour commuters in the Orlando area, you're still going to find a major roadway block. State Road 434 has been closed in Oviedo since Saturday evening. That's when a three-foot-wide hole formed in the road just south of Black Hammock at Laurel Oaks Court. According to the Florida Department of Transportation, the hole was caused by an issue with an old drainage pipe that crosses under 434. FDOT says that section of roadway is traveled by almost 20,000 vehicles a day. Oh, that's it? That's it. 20,000, huh? Why is it still closed? Yeah. (laughs) I had to drive around that yesterday. Did you see? It is the world's worst detour. (laughs) (laughs) My question is, if the hole opened up on Saturday evening, why are we still talking about it being in the roadway on Monday? I don't know. Maybe they have to fix the pipe. I don't know. Oh, that, that could be. That could be. I'm not an engineer, so I know. I don't, know. don't yeah, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> Out west, two large wildfires are burning in New Mexico, fueled by drought-stricken trees and brush. Both the Buzzard Fire and the Ute Park Fire have torched thousands of acres. The Buzzard Fire is burning in the Gila National Forest in the western part of the state and has burned over 29,000 acres. It's only 41% contained. Meantime, the Ute Park Fire in the north has exploded to over 36,000 acres since starting last Thursday. It's only 23% contained. And in Colorado, fire crews are working to contain the 416 fire north of Durango. It's burned over 2,200 acres and is only 10% contained. And finally, 
Thousands of uh, tourists visit Vermont each year from around the world to take in the beautiful scenery, the fall foliage, and outdoor sports. Now the state will actually pay you to move there. A new bill has just been signed into law that will pay people $10,000 to move there and work remotely for an out-of-state employer. Mike's looking interested all of a sudden. where? Let me write this down. Vermont. It's called the Remote (laughs) Worker Grant Program and will take effect on January 1st, 2019. The money, distributed over two years, will help cover moving, living, and working expenses, among other things. Currently, Vermont has budgeted funds to support 100 grants for the first three years and 20 additional workers each year from then on. Oh, over two years, though. I knew it. I want a lump sum. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we had to pay people to move to Florida back in the 30s. Yeah, that's true. Be able to be willing to deal with the humidity and the mosquitoes (laughs) prior to air conditioning. Now I'm willing to pay them to leave. Exactly. (laughs) WFLA News Time at 6.06. Hey, watch as hundreds of dolphins are seen playing with a baby humpback whale in Monterey Bay out in California. You can see the video at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando with Yaffe starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Yes, and this is Good Morning Orlando, and this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud will be back later this week. And of course, we have Deborah Roberts still here giving you the latest news. And we have Paul producing today. Paul is back producing. He's produced for for us before, but it's been a while. It has. It's been a blast from the past. Very long while. (laughs) And Paul, both Paul and I have come to an agreement that the NBA is rigged. Yes, because <laughs> somehow the Cavs and the the Warriors are in the finals again after everything that happened in the playoffs. Both of us don't understand how that happened. I've never been that guy. Everybody who's ever <laughs> said the NBA is rigged. I'm like, shut up. That's dumb. Why would you say something like that? This time around, I'm in. It's rigged. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a pretty good uh, game one, though, if you watch that one. Yeah, game two, the Warriors uh, handled the Cavs pretty well. But if it's rigged, it will go all the way to game seven. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then Come we'll on. know for sure. Come okay. on. <laughs> we also have Stephanie screening your calls at 407-916-5400. So Trump's lawyers sent a letter to Robert Mueller. Um, the letter was released over the weekend. Somehow the New York Times got a hold of it. And it created all kinds of controversy. So we'll talk about that next. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. And this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. If you want to follow me on Twitter, make sure to follow me on Twitter at Beyond Reason R. And if you have any comments on what we're talking about, you can call 407 916 5400 or text to 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. So over the weekend, the New York Times released a letter that Trump's lawyer sent to special counsel Robert Mueller. It was actually sent back in January, but it was released yesterday to the media over the weekend. Somehow the New York Times, it was leaked to the New York Times. And that letter, of course, started a lot of debate and a lot of controversy. And over the weekend, once again, Trump was the main focus of the news. He's, he's good at that. He's good at somehow being the main focus. The letter is 20 pages long and covers a lot of ground. But the main point of the letter was to address the idea of Trump sitting down with Mueller for an interview 
which his lawyers seemed to be strongly against. The part of the letter, though, that caused the most controversy is the argument that the president cannot obstruct justice by exercising his constitutional authority. They argue that the president had the power to fire Comey for any reason and that he has the power to end the Mueller investigation for any reason if he wished. It also argues that he can pardon anyone charged with a federal crime for any reason. And so that brought up the question whether he can pardon himself, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But in terms of the first part, can Trump stop the investigation for any reason? Would it be obstruction of justice to fire Mueller, to fire Comey? I think the lawyers are actually right on this. The fact is the Justice Department is part of the executive branch. The president is the head of the executive branch. That means if Trump wants to disband the Mueller probe and completely stop the Russia investigation, he can. It's part of his job. It's part. It's laid out in the Constitution. The Justice Department reports to him. He is the head of the Justice Department. So he would not be able to obstruct himself. It's not how it works. This is an inconvenient truth for a lot of people, but that's how the law works. Now, this actually is not a new argument. In fact, Alan Dershowitz has been on Fox News and other places for months making this very point, and I think he's right. Um, this is him back in December of 2017 making this very point. Here it is. You cannot charge a president with obstruction of justice for exercising his constitutional power to fire Comey and his constitutional authority to tell the Justice Department who to investigate, who not to investigate. That's what Thomas Jefferson did. That's what Lincoln did. That's what Roosevelt did. We have precedents that clearly establish that. So he's basically making the same point, that by firing Comey, it's his constitutional right. It's his constitutional authority to fire him for whatever reason he wants to. And that's not obstruction. It might not be politically the right thing to do. It might not be nice, but it's not obstruction. Now, Rudy Giuliani, who's Trump's lawyer now, he did not participate in this letter, but he's Trump's lawyer now. He made his round on the Sunday shows and he was on Meet the Press over the weekend of yesterday. And he was asked about this, if the president can ever obstruct justice. Rudy actually kind of backed off a little bit from this. And I'm going to tell you why in a sec, but this is what he said. I, I mean, I don't know exactly how the court would, would resolve that. You never want to say he can't ever because you, you opened too wide a floodgate. Mm -hmm. You might want to say he has very broad powers. And somebody who wants to question that under Article 2 has a big, big burden of showing that there is no innocent explanation mm -hmm. for what he did. They just can't do that. So I would like to convince them to exercise some, you know, constitutional restraint here. So he backed off a little bit and he said, I don't want to say he can't obstruct ever because that's too broad. Now, why did Rudy say that? Because there is a precedent that the president can obstruct justice, but that's only if he does it with illegal acts. So if he like paid off someone illegally or something like that, then yes, then you can make the argument that the president obstructed justice. 
The letter really isn't making the argument that the president can't ever obstruct justice. What the letter is saying is that he cannot obstruct justice when he's merely doing his constitutional, doing something under his constitutional authority. So he can fire, he can fire Mueller. He can fire Comey, fire FBI director. He can stop this investigation if he wants to, because he's the head of the investigation. Now, does that mean there are no consequences for him doing that? Well, we're going to talk about that next, and we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFL. So now we've gone over the legality on whether Trump can obstruct justice by stopping an investigation. And it seems like legally, no, it would not be obstruction of justice because he has the legal authority as head of the executive branch, as head of the Justice Department, to be able to do that. So the other thing that came up then was, can Trump pardon himself? Because in the letter, as I said earlier, Trump's lawyer sent a a letter to Robert Mueller. In the letter, it mentions that Trump has basically unlimited pardoning power. And as you know, the pardon is only for federal crimes. But this raised the whole controversy on whether Trump could actually pardon himself. Well, Giuliani was asked about this on Meet the Press yesterday, and this was his response. The president of the United States mm-hmm. um, pardoning himself would just be unthinkable, and it would, it would, it would lead to probably an immediate impeachment. You know, you get the House... Yeah. Senate be under tremendous, tremendous pressure. Uh, President Trump has no need to do that. He didn't do anything wrong. So and now on ABC this week, he also had mentioned that he probably has the power, but he keeps arguing that it would not be in Trump's best interest. Now, Chris Christie was on ABC as well yesterday, and this is what he said about it. There's no way that'll happen. And the reason it won't is because it then becomes a political problem, George. If the president were to pardon himself, he'll get impeached. So this really is the crux of the matter. When you're talking about both issues, when you're talking about the Russia investigation and when you're talking about pardoning himself, when you look at an issue and you look at the legality of it and presidential power, yes, Trump can stop the investigation. Yes, it looks like he probably could pardon himself. The Supreme Court has never ruled on that, but as of right now, it looks like he could. That does not mean he can't be held accountable. He can be held accountable by Congress. Well, there's two ways he can be held accountable. He can be held accountable by the people. The people could vote him out. If they don't like what he's doing, they could vote him out. It's political accountability. That's why the president has that kind of power. So there is political accountability. But the other way he can be held accountable is by Congress. Congress could impeach him. It could be a political problem. So if Trump pardoned himself or if Trump stopped the Russia investigation and all of those different things, that does not mean he can't be held accountable at all. The way our system works is Congress can step up if they so choose and impeach him and then convict him in the Senate. So there is checks and balances here, but there seems to be a lot of confusion. I noticed a lot of confusion over the weekend on what the president's power is. I mean, there were some very smart people saying it's absolutely ridiculous saying that Trump cannot obstruct justice. And my point is that's not really what they were arguing. What they were arguing is that he cannot obstruct justice when he does his const- when when he does something that's under his constitutional authority. Now, all of this being said, all of this putting all of this aside, 
Will Trump fire Mueller? Will Trump stop the Russia investigation? Will Trump pardon everyone and pardon himself? I don't think he will. There has been talks in the past that he wanted to fire Mueller. I noticed that in the past week or so, President Trump has been tweeting a lot about this over and over again, tweeting about it's a witch hunt. It's a corrupt investigation. The Democrats are on board. I think there's a main reason why he's doing that. I think he believes this is a winning argument for him now. I think he's kind of liking all of this attention with it now. And he's realizing he can fire up his base. And he can fire up a lot of the American people by going after this Mueller investigation. There was a time where people were like, Trump, stay away from this. Trump, stay away from it. But his approval seems to be going up in the midterms. Like I said, in terms of Republican and Democrat generic ballot, it seems like that's tightening up as well. So there's a part of me that thinks Trump wants to keep the attention on this, wants to keep the controversy because it makes him look like the victim. So he doesn't want to end the investigation right now because he likes having someone to hit against. He likes having that enemy to go after. And he's going to keep going after them. So I don't think he's going to stop the Mueller investigation. I don't think he's going to uh, pardon himself, at least not anytime soon. Maybe in the long run. It's hard to be the good guy when there's no bad guy. Exactly. You're exactly right. I really believe, and I, I still believe that some of these leaks are coming from the Trump administration themselves because it keeps them at the center of the news. All right, we have Deborah Roberts who's going to come in at the bottom of the hour, and she's going to talk about the latest with what Trump's legal team is saying and the Parkland High School graduation honors for fallen seniors. It is 628 on Good Morning Orlando. And Deborah Roberts joins me in the studio with the latest news. Good morning, Deb. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm good. How are you? You you seem in a very good mood today. I have a kitten at home. How can you not be in a good mood when you have a kitten at home? <laughs> she got a new kitten last week, and yeah. she's just been smiling ever since. It was a week ago today. I found her in the bushes right outside yeah. the front of the building. So I've I've turned her into a cat person. Outside of this building? Outside of this building, yeah. You know, it's interesting. There was, a there was, what is it, two weeks ago, there was another cat out there. Yeah. Uh, our our chief engineer, of, Mike Spry, yeah. adopted that kitten. Okay. Yeah, names no, him. Oh, I didn't na- know that. Yeah, what what I'm are the, we doing? Uh, well, the, we have a feral cat around here. We are able to catch her kittens, but we're not able to catch her. Oh. But that's the goal is to get her and to have one of those clinics that will come out and trap feral cats and spay and neuter them and then release them back. Right. So then that way they can continue to live their lives, but they don't contribute to pet overpopulation by having litter after litter after litter. This particular cat likes to hide her kittens in the wheel well or on the engine block of our RV. Right. So our engineers know when they go downstairs, they have to bang around the vehicle to make sure there aren't any kittens that are being stashed inside of the vehicle. I'm the third employee of iHeartMedia that's adopted a parking lot cat. Very interesting. Yeah. So, so that's the top story of the day. That's the top story. But you have other news for yes, us. Yes, I do. And the biggest story, of course, is Rudy Giuliani says President Trump probably has the power to pardon himself, but he has no intention of doing so. That is another really interesting constitutional argument. Can the president pardon himself? It would be an open question. I think it would probably get answered by, gosh, that's what the Constitution says. And if you want to change it, change it. 
On ABC's This Week, Trump's personal attorney believes the political ramifications would be tough. He added, pardoning other people is one thing and pardoning yourself is another. Giuliani explained other presidents have pardoned people in circumstances like this in their administration, and sometimes the next president, even of a different party, will come along and pardon. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Orlando area motorists encountering a traffic change this morning as the I-4 Ultimate Improvement Project continues. There's a new ramp and bridge at exit 77 where westbound I-4 connects with Florida's Turnpike. However, the location of the exit is basically unchanged. The I-4 Ultimate Project is rebuilding 21 miles of I-4 through Metro Orlando and adding tolled express lanes in each direction. But be aware this morning there's already been an accident because of that traffic shift and traffic is already backing up on the interstate. The summer driving season opened with the most expensive gas prices in four years, but those prices at the pump are beginning to trickle lower thanks to strong declines in the price of oil. AAA reports the current statewide average price for a gallon of regular is two eighty-six, down five cents from a week ago. The most expensive gas price averages in Florida are in the West Palm Beach, Boca Raton area at two ninety-seven a gallon, and in Miami at two ninety-three. The least expensive is in Punta Gorda at two seventy-six, and here in Orlando at two eighty a gallon. We'll take what we can get. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It's the summer driving season, and we're not talking about over three dollars a gallon. So yeah. Exactly. And finally, a powerful communications satellite is now in orbit, having been launched successfully aboard a Falcon 9 rocket from the Cape Canaveral Air Force Station early this morning. Four, three, two, one, zero, ignition. Liftoff came at 1245 this morning following a four-day delay because of undisclosed technical issues. SpaceX made no attempt to recover the first-stage booster, which was being used for the second time. It was an older model that's being phased out in favor of a new generation of boosters that can be reused 50 or 60 times. I think I read that this is the 11th launch this year, something like that. Already, yeah. Wow. They're just... Yeah. Sending them up left and right, left and right. I mean, it's right. really cool, but it I, is I, was, really cool. I was amazed by that. I was too. Although there have been like a couple in California. There was one in Virginia. So it's... But Still, for a private company to be pulling all this off is amazing to amazing. me. Amazing. And to know that you can use a new generation of rocket boosters 50 or 60 times. Imagine yeah. the savings. We're going to be seeing even more launches. You can get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Yaffe and Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. Good morning, Gina. Gina from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City. How are you this morning? I'm fine, Michael. How about yourself? It's a Monday. <laughs> yes, it is a Monday. <laughs> so we have to put that in front of everything. <laughs> so um, we had a jobs report last week, a lot of jobs being created. So what is the stock market? What are the stock futures looking like in this morning in reaction to that? They look pretty good. The stock futures are indicating a higher Wall Street open as that strong U.S. jobs report boosts confidence in the world's biggest economy. That's right here. We saw U.S. equities jumping just over 1% on Friday following that report. The Bloomberg Orlando index slipped a quarter of a percent. We have a couple things we're watching for today. That includes orders for manufactured goods, a couple of reports on that. And we get earnings from Dell and Casey's General Stores. 
And as I said, looks like a higher Wall Street open, so not too bad for a Monday. All right, we have a merger with a chemical company. Tell us about that. Well, it's Bayer. They are days away from transforming themselves into the world's biggest maker of seeds and agricultural chemicals, saying they will close their purchase of Monsanto on Thursday. Monsanto will no longer be a company name, but the acquired products will keep theirs. So anyone who lives in Florida knows that it seems like everyone in the world wants to move here. And you have a story about how they're also attracting financiers. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Well, Florida's long-running effort to lure Wall Street hotshots is gaining traction thanks to a provision in the federal tax law that hits residents of high-tax states. Florida is attractive because, of course, no state income tax and its property taxes are relatively low, whereas the tri-state area of New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut has among the highest property taxes in the country. And the federal tax law's new cap on state and local tax deductions has also reinvigorated Florida's campaign. A Brookings Institution demographer points to government figures showing that almost 15,000 Connecticut residents moved to Florida from 2015 to 2016, and that was the most since at least 1999. Separate state stats show Florida is adding jobs in finance and Connecticut is having trouble keeping them. All right, and um, the latest Star Wars film, Solo, could be the first flop in the franchise. You have some details on that? Well, in terms of how much it costs to make and how much it could lose, uh, it's not doing too bad at the box office by any stretch of the imagination, although the box office receipts for Solo, A Star Wars Story were down 65% this weekend over the debut, and it could be the first film in the long-running franchise to lose money. An analyst with B. Riley writes that the film could, in fact, lose more than $50 million. So, I mean, I liked it. You know, I, I haven't know. I seen it. it was, I thought it was a good movie. I, I'm, I'm surprised how much it's flopped. But, um, well, I guess I'm not too surprised, but I no, think it was better than I expected. Well, good. I mean, the fans are always going to go and they're going to enjoy it. Right. I know there's been some discussion of, quote, Star Wars fatigue because yeah. there have been so many of the movies. Um, but Yeah, that might, that might be a big part of it. All right, Gina Cervetti from the Bloomberg Newsroom giving us the latest business report, and we'll talk to you again this time tomorrow morning. Thanks, Mike. Have a great day. So speaking of the world of business, there might be a lot of American businesses hurt in the United States coming up because of tariffs. Trump once again implementing tariffs, not only against places like China, but also against our allies. I want to talk about that. We have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So that's like the angriest you will ever see somebody from Canada. You know, that was the Canadian Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau. It's so interesting because he did go on in that particular interview and talk about how nice they were and how, you know, <laughs> right? they were accepting, but mm-hmm. you shouldn't push us too far and all kinds yeah. of stuff. So now now those Canadians, somehow we've made them mad. That was Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, obviously not happy because the Trump administration has imposed tariffs on them, on the European Union and others specifically with steel and aluminum. This is according to the Washington Post. President Trump on Thursday of last week imposed tariffs on imported steel and aluminum from the European Union, Canada, and Mexico, triggering immediate retaliation from U.S. allies and protests from American businesses and farmers. 
The tariffs, 25% on steel and 10% on aluminum, take effect, well, took effect last week, uh, marking a major escalation of trade war between the United States and its top trading partners. Stung by the U.S. action, the Allies quickly hit back. The EU said it would impose import taxes on politically sensitive items like bourbon from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's home of state of Kentucky. And Mexico said it would levy tariffs on American farm products. Oh, no, they're going to tariff avocado. They're going to tariff my guacamole, not my guacamole. (laughs) While Canada zeroed in on the same metals that Trump had targeted. Now, President Trump was tweeting about this over the weekend. One of his tweets said this said, when you're almost $800 billion a year down on trade, you can't lose a trade war. The U.S. has been ripped off by other countries for years on trade. Time to get smart, that's what he said. Here's my biggest problem with this, all of this. And it has to do with how Trump looks at trade. When you read that tweet and you hear some of his comments, he's acting like this is a zero-sum game. That because we have a trade deficit with another country, that means we're automatically losing. Except when you actually look at economics and you actually look at trade, that's not exactly how it works. That's not how trade works at all. In fact, it might just mean that we have more money to spend. So we have more money, which we do as a country, to buy more of their products than they have to buy more of ours. I'm not saying there aren't some unfair trade practices out there, but this idea that trade is a zero-sum game just isn't true. The best example of that is the fact that during the recession, our trade deficit with a lot of these countries went down. So we were, our economy was suffering, yet the trade deficit was going down? Wait, wait, I thought a lower trade deficit meant good things for our economy. No, it doesn't always mean good things for our economy because that's not how trade works. And I think Trump is misguided on a lot of this. Now, the Canadian prime minister, Justin Trudeau, which you heard from a second from a press conference, he was also on Meet the Press over the weekend. And he made a comment about how Trump is using a federal statute that says we have to do this for national security. This is what Trudeau said about that. The idea that you know, our soldiers who had fought and died together on the beaches of World War II and the, and the mountains of Afghanistan and have stood shoulder to shoulder in some of the most difficult places in the world that are always there for each other, somehow this is insulting to them. The idea that the uh, Canadian uh, steel that's in military, uh, military vehicles in the United States, the Canadian aluminum that makes your, uh, your fighter jets, is somehow now a threat. The fact that, I mean, next week we're hosting a, the G7 Summit of, of World Leaders, and the airfield, the military base that Air Force One's going to land in, was put there in World War II to protect an aluminum uh, smelter uh, that was providing uh, to the military effort. The idea that we are somehow a national security threat to the United States is quite frankly insulting and unacceptable. So I don't agree with him a lot, but I have to agree with a lot of what he said there. The fact is they're using that federal statute saying it's a national security threat because they want the tariffs. But they don't actually believe it's a national security threat. It's nonsensical that it's a national security threat. 
Peter Navarro and President Trump have wanted these tariffs for decades. And every time they've talked about it in the past, they've wanted the tariffs for economic reasons because they believe protectionism is good for the economy, not for national security. There's no national security threat. We're building up our military and Canada is more than willing to give us products and steel to build up our military. And there's no sign that that's going to stop anytime soon. I think it's a stretch to say it's for national security. Just admit that you're doing it for economic reasons. Now, a lot of people think that this is just a tactic, a negotiation tactic. So we're going to talk about that next. And I want to take your calls as well. What do you think about Trump's tariffs? What do you think about these protectionist policies? Do you actually think it will be a benefit for the economy? 407-916-5400, text to 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. It is 650 on Good Morning Orlando. So most of what I've heard from people who support Trump's trade negotiation here, his trade policies here, where he's implementing these tariffs on the EU and on Canada and on our allies, they're saying, well, he really doesn't want the tariffs, but it's a negotiation tactic to get better deals in the future. Trump has said that. And his chief economic advisor, Larry Kudlow, was on Fox News Sunday yesterday, and he was basically saying the same thing as well. Here it is. It said very clearly that we still welcomed good faith negotiations, and that's why I regard this as more of a family quarrel. This is um, this is a, uh, a trade dispute, if you will. It can be solved if people work together. So I'm a little skeptical of this, and the main reason is because his advisors like Peter Navarro and others, they like protectionism. They like tariffs. And I think Trump is misguided when he even thinks about trade. So I'm not so sure. Plus, where, where are the deals? We keep hearing that there's going to be good deals. Are we ever going to get good deals or are we just going to get a trade war? You know, it's interesting. I heard some people bring that up on uh, Fox News Sunday this weekend. They were saying, you know, he's tearing up all these deals because he wants to make more bilateral com- compromise and, you know, better deals. But we haven't seen any of the better deals come up. Just a bunch of them be torn to shreds. Yeah. And a lot of those I liked that he tore to shreds. But. This, I think, is going to hurt the economy. I really, really do. I'm a free trader by nature, though. Let's go to the calls here. Let's go to Jimmy in Haines City. Uh, Jimmy, what do you think about this? Well, all I have to say about it is that I can understand that we have protectionist uh, policies that are hurting our nation from other countries. But if you have 6.5 million, like they keep on saying, that counts on the steel and the metal, we only have 145,000 jobs in that sector here that we're sacrificing the 6.5 for the 145,000. Why don't we grow our sector here to meet the need of that 6.5? Because if they control the metal, they control the steel, they control the price, then they're going to go after those other companies, crush them, drive them out of business, unemployment, jobs overseas. That's all I have to say. All right. All right. Interesting take on that. Let's go to uh, Ben in Claremont. Ben, what do you think? Well, I don't understand trade deals, really, I'll be honest with you. But I do know through life that when people start trying to guilt trip you like Trudeau is doing, they've got the upper hand and they're starting to lose it and they can't take it. And somebody ought to remind him that if America hadn't gotten in the war, they'd be speaking German right now. Okay, I appreciate that. I mean, 
Trump is the master of the guilt trip. So, so I don't know. I just, I just feel like this is the worst time to do this. The economy is great. The job numbers are fantastic. You're riding high. It looks like the Republicans might keep the House and the Senate because of that. And this could set us backwards. And that's another good point is that it's overshadowing all that great economic news. The fact that we are now having to talk about this. Right. And I don't like protectionism because it it encourages bad behavior. So what happens a lot of times is the American steel industries, they will raise their prices now to maybe just a little below the tariff because they can, because now they are a protected industry by the government rather than facing real competition. Now I am all for getting other countries to open up. I'm all for China opening up and taking more of our exports. So if this is a negotiation tactic, I hope it works. I really do. I'm just a little skeptical that it's going to. And I just, I'm just not sure. There's a part of me that thinks he just wants the tariffs there forever because he believes protectionism is good for the country. And I just, I just don't see it that way. All right. Deborah Roberts is coming in to give us the latest news. She's going to talk about Trump's legal team claims that he can't obstruct justice and the Parkland High School graduation honors for fallen seniors. It is 6.59 in Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. Welcome to the 50,000-watt front porch where we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 102.5 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, Trump's legal team claims he can't obstruct the Russia probe and the Parkland High School graduation honors four fallen seniors. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. So Trump is not the only one who knows how to use Twitter to go after his political enemies. John Morgan has been all over Twitter criticizing Rick Scott over medical marijuana. We're going to talk about that next. And good Monday morning at 7.03 on News Radio 102.5. Rudy Giuliani says President Trump likely has the power to pardon himself, but he has no intention of doing so. He has no intention of pardoning uh, himself, but he probably doesn't say he can't. On ABC's This Week, Trump's personal attorney said it's an interesting constitutional argument if the president can pardon himself. Giuliani, however, believes the political ramifications would be tough. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. I just wanted to say on that, I didn't get a chance to say this in the first hour, but I feel like if that ever happened, if a president did pardon themselves, that we would eventually pass a constitutional amendment preventing that in the future. That, yeah. would, that would be the way to stop it permanently. Yeah, that's a good point. pass a constitutional amendment. And I think that would probably pass Congress and everything else. What, something would get done in Congress? Maybe. <laughs> not going <laughs> to go that hard on a limb, are you? <laughs> yeah, I, Let's I not take be that crazy. back now. <laughs> exactly. Let's not be crazy. Oh, this is a disturbing story out in Arizona where police believe a string of shootings in Phoenix and Scottsdale are connected. Now, it all started Thursday when noted psychologist Stephen Pitt was shot to death outside his office. Pitt worked on a number of high-profile cases, including the murder of JonBenet Ramsey and the Columbine Massacre, and in Arizona, the infamous baseline killer. On Friday, two women who worked as paralegals at a law office were shot and killed. Scottsdale police say they believe the murders are connected. Police also are now also investigating a fourth deadly shooting that happened Saturday. The victim in that case was a psychologist and counselor. And I believe they all they have to go on is a sketch. Yes. 
of who they think the suspect might be. So they thought they had some leads, but it turns out those they, didn't lead anywhere. And they're it's, stuck. It's scary. It is very scary. It is very scary. Back here in Florida, it was an emotional graduation ceremony in Parkland yesterday as four seniors who died during the Valentine's Day mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School were honored. Family members of those seniors accepted diplomas on their behalf. This woman is a mother of a graduating senior. The parents who walked across the stage for their children, it, it just, I, I lost it. Very sad. I can only imagine what they... A very heavy heart. The ceremony was a private event at the BB&T Center in Sunrise. NBC Tonight Show host Jimmy Fallon delivered a commencement address. 17 students and staff, including the four seniors who would have received their diploma, died in the shooting. The ceremony came just days after a similar bittersweet graduation in Santa Fe, Texas, following last month's deadly shooting there. A woman is dead after she jumped from an overpass in Hillsborough County. It happened yesterday afternoon on I-4 at US-92. After landing on the road below, FHP says she was hit by a tractor trailer. The incident tied up traffic for five hours. What makes this story so tragic is that although she hasn't been identified, FHP estimates she could be as young as 16 years old. Do they think it was suicide? Yeah, after wow. jumping from the overpass, so... I hope that's not the case, that she's that young. Either age, any age, though, yeah. it's just a tragic death. Out west, three people in Hawaii are out of danger after they had to be airlifted when lava from the Kilauea volcano trapped them. The three were stranded this weekend when a lava flow cut off road access to the area. Everyone who was airlifted out, though, thankfully was unharmed. Dozens of homes have been destroyed, though, since the volcano started erupting last month. Also, a freshwater lake on the big island evaporated. After lava flowed into it. Oh, I mean, Poof. <laughs> there it goes. physics works, but yeah, wow. I know. It's still, it's still amazing to think yeah. of. And finally, here's some good news as well. First Lady Melania Trump will make her first public appearance in weeks this evening. The First Lady's attendance at a reception for Gold Star families will be her first public outing since she was hospitalized for several days last month. Mrs. Trump's spokeswoman says the First Lady will join President Trump at a private reception honoring families of service members killed in action. WFLA News Time at 7.07. Watch as a plane makes a landing in the middle of a California street at 1025WFLA.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Yes, and of course we have Deborah Roberts who will give us the latest news at the top and bottom of every hour. And we maybe. have maybe. Oh, uh, you you will you what you love me you love me. <laughs> yes, I you do. Love when I fill in. Yes, I do. You'll All be right, here. Fine. <laughs> we also have Paul. Paul is producing hey. today. He is back. Good morning, Mr. Paul. Well, good morning to you, sir. Glad glad wow. you're here. And of course we have Stephanie screening your calls at four zero seven nine one six fifty four hundred. I want to take your calls. On the battle between Rick Scott and John Morgan and whether you can smoke medical marijuana. I'll give my take as well. We have update every 10 minutes and we have Orlando's news, weather and traveling in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. Smokable marijuana is allowed. Within one hour of that ruling, the state of Florida appealed it. The person who has the power with this appeal is Governor Rick Scott. Governor Scott 
could remove that appeal today. So the battle over being able to smoke medical marijuana in Florida continues. This has been a hot button topic on the show. As you know, Bud has been really upset that the Florida legislature has been obstructing this. He believes, and I tend to agree with him, that we passed the constitutional amendment. One of the best ways to get the medical marijuana in your system quickly is through smoking it. Why are we stopping people from being able to smoke it? Well, as you probably well know, because we've talked about it on the show, a Florida court ruled that it is unconstitutional to ban smoking of medical marijuana. Did that a couple weeks ago. Attorney John Morgan went to Twitter again on Friday and over the weekend calling Rick Scott to drop the appeal of that ruling. You just heard John Morgan in that audio cut there, and he's talking about how Rick Scott, and they're, they're appealing the ruling. They still want to stop it. So right now, there's still a stay on smoking medical marijuana, so you can't smoke it legally in the state of Florida. John Morgan's really upset about that, and he was all over Twitter on Friday and over the weekend, and he has been a lot lately. This is obviously his big issue. One of his tweets, he really called out Rick Scott. Here's one of them from Friday. He said, think of our veterans, cops, and firefighters who have PTSD because of the horrible things that they had to do and see for us. Smoke works best. So John Morgan is not, he's not holding back. He's, he's, uh, you know, tugging at the heartstrings a little bit there. He also put out a video on Twitter calling out Rick Scott. And he actually put Rick Scott's phone number out there, his office phone number, telling people to call his office because they want to get Rick Scott to stop the appeal. Here's a little bit from that video John Morgan put out on his Twitter account. Look, you and I, I think, are friendly. We've had dinners together. We've talked. I love your wife, and I think you love my wife, Ultima. I agree on a lot of things you've done. But this, Rick, is about compassion. I think this is about, for some people, political meanness. Just to do it for spite. At some point in time, I'm asking you, drop this fight now. 407-916-5400. You can text a 23680 with message and data rates apply if you have a comment on that. So John Morgan's not happy about it. He believes that the constitutional amendment that was passed obviously allows people to smoke it in the privacy of their own home. Now, Governor Rick Scott was on Fox 35 last week, and he was asked about this, and this was his response to John Morgan. Well, I think, first off, we want everybody to get the health care they, they need. I mean, I think every, we all want to do that, and I want to do that. You do have, this is not about politics, it's about following the law. I mean, we had a constitutional amendment that was passed. The legislature, in a bipartisan manner, overwhelmingly passed the rules with regard to that. It's important that the Department of Health follow those rules, and that's what they're doing. When you look at moving forward, I mean, it's your intention to continue that appeal, correct? Absolutely. We, we've got to follow what the law is. We follow, we follow Amendment 2. We follow what the legislature overwhelmingly, in a bipartisan manner, passed. That's, that's the job of the executive branch, and that's what we're going to do. I want to make sure people get the health care uh, they need, but I'm, we're going to follow the law. So I have to admit, stepping back and looking at this issue, I don't really understand what the big deal is on allowing people to smoke 
medical marijuana in their own home. I can understand about preventing people from doing it in public because when they do it in public, it affects the people around them. It doesn't just affect them personally. But the constitutional amendment already bans people from doing it in public. So why are we stopping people from doing it in the privacy of their own home? I don't really understand that. And I kind of have to side with John Morgan on that. Now, that being said, if Rick Scott is right that he's just following the law, then it seems like John Morgan really shouldn't be mad at Rick Scott. He should be mad at the Florida legislature because it's the Florida legislature that is the one banning smoking medical marijuana completely. And they're the ones that create the laws. So if you really want to be mad at someone, Rick Scott is just doing his duty as the head of the executive office of Florida. And he's just following the law. If you want to be mad at someone, you need to go after the Florida legislature because they're the ones getting in the way of this. But I, but I have to say, I mean, if it's already legalized medically, smoking, from what I understand, is one of the best ways to get it in your system quickly, unless you use like an IV or something. And if you smoke it in your own home, what, what do I, what do I care if it's legal? doesn't affect me. So I have to agree with Bud on that. I have to agree with John Morgan. I don't understand why people are against this unless it is for political reasons. Or there might be another reason as well. And I'm going to talk about that next. Whose side are you on on this issue? Do you agree with Rick Scott? Do you think it should be banned? Or do you agree with John Morgan, Bud, and myself? 407 916-5400. You can text to 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. It's 719 here on Good Morning Orlando. So I'm getting a bunch of different texts on this, and you can text to 23680 where standard message and data rates apply as well. Talking about John Morgan going after Rick Scott because Rick Scott is appealing the decision by a Florida court saying the Florida court basically ruled that Banning smoking of medical marijuana is unconstitutional. The Florida legislature, though, believes they can ban it all they want. And Rick Scott is saying they're the ones who came up with the law. So he's going to he's going to follow the law and he's going to appeal. And we'll see what the Florida Supreme Court decides on this. I'm getting a bunch of texts on this. One person says this says we the people voted for this. Governor Scott, again, doesn't fight for the people. He fights for his Republican cronies. So that's one side of it. That might be John Morgan texting in. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, Another person, though, on the other side of this said, most people who are for medical marijuana don't use it for medical reasons and are just potheads abusing the system. So this brings me to another point on this. I do believe there's a lot of people who need medical marijuana because of it helps for chronic pain. But there is also a big part of me that really believes that a lot of the people, if not most of the people who have really been pushing for this, really want it because they believe it's a stepping stone to full legalization for recreational. I think John Morgan is one of those people. In fact, we interviewed John Morgan on the Florida Roundtable, and he thinks fully He thinks marijuana should be fully legalized. You should be able to do it for any reason you want. There's some evidence that backs me up on this as well, that this is really all about a stepping stone. 
Now we've already we've already passed medical in Florida, so it's it's the law. It's in our constitution. We have to abide by it. But I still think there's evidence that all of this was about a stepping stone towards full legalization. Here's some more evidence of that. This is according to the Tallahassee News Service. Three of the state's top Democratic candidates for governor support legalization of recreational marijuana. And the fourth backs decriminalizing pot for personal use, showing near consensus on an issue political rainmaker John Morgan said could determine the outcome of the August primary. So you have Democrat candidates backed by John Morgan, probably all coming out now and saying, look, we just need to fully legalize it. We need it for recreational purposes. Uh Uh-huh. We all knew this was coming. We all knew once medical marijuana was passed that this is the next step and we are being proven right. Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum, Winter Park entrepreneur Chris King, and former Miami Beach Mayor Philip Levine, back an across-the-board legalization of pot in Florida, where voters two years ago overwhelmingly approved the constitutional amendment that legalized medical marijuana. It's coming. And we all knew it was coming. And we all knew this was really the main reason that they wanted medical in the first place. And I think there's more evidence of that. Now, here's my take on fully legalizing marijuana for recreational purposes. Do I think it will be the end of America? No. Do I think it will have some benefits? Yes, mainly that less people in prison. You know, we won't be arresting people for smoking weed. And that could be a benefit. But I also think there will be a lot of negative effects in our society as well. I think more people will start using it. And you'll have more DUIs, you'll have broken relationships, you'll have addiction, you'll have all of the problems that come with people who are getting high all the time. And getting high affects your judgment, it does. And I think you will have problems in our society from more and more people using it and using it more often. So we'll have to decide as a society whether the benefits outweigh the costs, and that has yet to be seen. But if you think it's not going to have any negative effects, I, th- I think you're kidding yourself. But I, I believe, I mean, I, it almost doesn't matter because it's going to be fully legalized in my lifetime. It just is. I don't like it, but, but it will be. I think it will. I think that's just the reality. All right. Deborah Roberts is coming in the studio at the bottom of the hour. She's going to talk about the latest news, including the latest with Trump's legal team sending a letter to Robert Mueller. And an FBI agent accidentally shoots a customer at a bar. It is 729 on Good Morning Orlando. All right. And Deborah Roberts is in the studio with me right now. And she's going to uh, talk about the latest news. I am? Oh. I mean. <laughs> I just like I mean, if you're you not, if, if you're not busy. <laughs> it's kind of what you're here for. <laughs> oh, way to ruin the party. President Trump's legal team is putting forward that the president cannot obstruct an investigation. The New York Times obtained a letter from Trump's lawyers to special counsel Robert Mueller, which claims the president can't obstruct the Russia probe because he has the authority to end any investigation at any time. Rudy Giuliani says if the president pardons himself, it's just not what would happen to Americans. The political 
ramifications of that would be tough. Pardoning other people is one thing. Pardoning yourself is another. The lawyers also say that Mueller's investigation has been a burden on Trump and has endangered the security of the country. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. What's really endangering the security of the country is an FBI agent on the move. <laughs> yeah, that's a story of when getting down goes way wrong. <laughs> yep. A man in a bar was accidentally shot by an off-duty FBI agent early Saturday morning after a gun fell out of his pants and onto the dance floor. Video posted to Twitter showed the unidentified G-man dancing at Mile High Spirits in Denver, Colorado around 12.45 a.m. Saturday when after pulling off a backflip, his gun went flying out of his pants. When the agent went to retrieve the weapon, it went off, striking another person in the bar and the leg. Denver police say the victim, an adult male, was taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. The FBI agent, who thankfully, I'm sure, wasn't identified, was taken to the Denver police station for questioning. He was later released to an FBI supervisor. The incident is being investigated by the Denver Police Department's Homicide Unit, according to BuzzFeed News. There's no word on whether any charges will be filed by the Denver District Attorney's Office over the incident. We uh, tried to call and ask for comment. They still haven't stopped laughing. <laughs> you know, I'm not, a, I'm not a gun expert. I'm not a gun safety expert. But I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do backflips while holstering a gun. I mean, am I right on that? Am I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Don't do that. <laughs> Another thing not to do. A Florida man is charged with selling prison inmates around the country. A Florida man. I, I was going to say, oh, yeah. I yep. stuck out like a sword, you though. Started, <laughs> you started, yeah, to start with that. Fake legal documents that had been soaked in a synthetic form of marijuana so the inmates could get high after eating the documents. <laughs> The Miami Herald reports that prosecutors say 46-year-old Danny Angel Rodriguez used the names of actual criminal defense attorneys on the paperwork and mailings to make the pot-soaked shipments look legitimate. Some papers were fake obituaries or funeral announcements. During a 2017 investigation, FBI agents said they seized 33 packages sent to inmates by Rodriguez, most of which tested positive for the drug. Rodriguez is already serving a three-year prison term for violating probation from a 1994 case in which he was convicted of pistol-whipping a federal judge. A real nice guy. Yeah, and what a winner. His attorneys say he will fight the latest charges. I wonder how they figured it out. I don't know. Because that actually is pretty clever. That's very clever, and I would like to know, what it, were they tipped off? Did they... I mean, did they just notice, like, everyone was getting high, and they're like, how is this happening? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If only yeah, they had put that kind of creativity to use on the outside, maybe they wouldn't be. <laughs> I know. We say that about a lot of criminals. Yeah, you we just do. Use that for good. Exactly. Use your evil for good. could have been successful. Well, here's an example of that. A Texas mother is alive today because of the quick thinking of her three-year-old daughter. KTRK-TV in Houston reports that Miranda Craig suffers from narcolepsy, and she collapsed unconscious to the floor of their house last week. Her daughter, Dorothy, only three quickly picked up a cell phone and dialed 911. When a a dispatcher answered, Dorothy simply said, Mommy. The dispatcher coaxed a little more information from the toddler, and authorities tracked the cell phone signal to a general area and then went door to door before finding the victim. Miranda, who was treated at her home, said she taught Dorothy to dial 911 when she was really little. 
three is still pretty, really little. She said this is the second time Dorothy has called 911 for her mother. Wow. Isn't that good? I don't know if I would have been that smart at three years old. I don't know if I would have been either. At, uh, it's a great story. Well, I'm 100% positive I would not have been. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got a definitive right, answer out go. of the room. We're good to go. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Devin. We'll You're welcome. see you at the top of the hour. I'll be back with the serious stuff at 8. All right. Sounds good. Now for some more fun and games. We're going to play the sound judgment game coming up next. You have a chance to win that Trump policy board game. What you want to do is call right now, 407 407- 916-5400-407-916-5400 for your chance to play Sound Judgment. Really interesting Sound Judgment I have today for you. Really interesting story surrounding it as well. So call right now, 407-916-5400. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. Yes, and now is your chance to win the ever-coveted Trump policy board game because we have the sound judgment game coming right now but before we get to that Steph Stephanie's going to tell you what you can win that's right so today our sound judgment winner gets their very own copy of the brand new Trump policy board game play Trump policy with your family play it with your friends and very soon you'll know whether they are your friends Trump policy gives everyone a chance to voice their opinion on key issues of the day and stand up for the kind of America they want all right, so you can call 407-916-5400 if somebody gets a wrong answer. So over the weekend, it was reported that actor Benedict Cumberbatch, he is best known for his role as Sherlock Holmes in the BBC show Sherlock, but he also plays Doctor Strange in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Benedict Cumberbatch helped stop a mugger in London. Yeah, he was riding in a cab in central London with his wife when he saw a Deliveroo cyclist being beaten up by four assailants. Cumberbatch jumped out of the car and pulled the attackers off the driver. The attackers then turned on Cumberbatch, possibly recognized him, and fled. So... Not only is an action star in the movies, but apparently he is in real life as well, fighting off muggers and everything. They probably thought he was going to cast a spell on them. <laughs> maybe. Maybe they did, yeah. So um, I want you to listen to this audio clip from his show Sherlock on the BBC, and then use your sound judgment to tell me how old is Benedict Cumberbatch? Listen, I was wondering... Maybe later, when you're finished. You're wearing lipstick. You weren't wearing lipstick before. I, uh... I refreshed it a bit. Sorry, you were saying? I was wondering if you'd like to have coffee. Black, two sugars, please. I'll be upstairs. Okay. So, uh, that's a clip from his awesome show, Sherlock. I like it a lot. 407-916-5400. How old is Benedict Cumberbatch? Let's go to line four. Line four, how old is he? Good morning. Is he 40? Oh, very close. Very close. You almost you almost got it. Uh, let's go to line three. Line three, how old is Benedict Cumberbatch? Hello, line three. Nope. Let's go to uh, line two. Line two, how old is Benedict Cumberbatch? I'll say 41. Exactly right. 
41 years old. Congratulations on that. You are now a proud winner of the Trump Policy Board Game. Are you a fan of any of his shows or movies? Not really. <laughs> no, never seen Doctor Strange or Sherlock? He comes, he comes on every Sunday on uh, 65.2. <laughs> That's the only time I might watch it. Oh, okay. All right. So, uh, well, congratulations on winning the game. What's your name and where are you calling from? I'm Jerry from uh, Orlando. Jerry from Orlando. All right, I'm going to put you on hold, and Steph's going to tell you how you can get that game, okay? Okay, dokie. All right, hold on, Jerry, and congratulations uh, on being our winner. <laughs> I was waiting for it. So Paul is a big fan of Benedict Cumberbatch, I believe, as well. Oh, absolutely. I think He's Do- great. I think Doctor Strange is... One of my favorite comic book movies. It doesn't get a lot of the attention I think it deserves. It doesn't, but I don't think they could have picked anybody else who would have harnessed who Doctor Strange is. That's true. Like Cumberbatch did. He really, really did a great job. That's a good point. I can't think of any other actor that they could have put in that role. Not one. And it would have been good. You know what's really weird? And I thought about this yesterday. In the Avengers, the latest Avengers movie, you have Benedict Cumberbatch. Right. And you have Robert Downey Jr. Yes. Both of them played Sherlock Holmes. Yes, they did. <laughs> and they were like together a lot in the movie. I didn't even think about that until last night. I was like, oh, wait, yeah. Yeah, they sure did. Who is the better Sherlock Holmes? <sighs> I'd have to say Cumberbatch. Yeah, I would too. Only because he had more time to develop character and, you know really harness the essence of who Sherlock was. Yeah. But Robert Downey Jr. didn't do bad. He didn't do a bad job of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like about those movies is there were more action movies. Well, that- his, I was going to say, his <laughs> Sherlock Holmes movies were kind of like Iron Man movies. Like, <laughs> yeah. he had a lot of very innovative they really tech, were. you know? Yeah. All right. Uh, we have uh, the Rush Morning Update in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. And this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud will be back later this week. If you want, you can send me a friend request on Facebook or follow me on Twitter at Beyond Reason R. We have Paul producing today and Stephanie screening your calls at 407-916-5400. And we are going to have Open Mind Monday in the next hour. I did not forget that it's Monday and we can take calls on any topic. So if you want to yak to me about anything, you will just call 407 407- 916-5400, and we will take your call on any subject. So I ran into this story. The Tampa Bay Times, Paul, has been uh, doing some heavy-duty journalism here. here. Here's the headline from the Tampa Bay Times. Why does every Florida Publix have a big scale? This is, this is heavy-duty journalism. This is, yeah, this is some serious This is what needs to right be here. investigated. Yes. They had a story. Oh, this is good. I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> they have a story about Publix, and if you're listening to this show in the Orlando area, I guarantee you you've been in a Publix at least once in your life, probably once a day. Um, but they asked the question, why? Because when you walk into a Publix, they have this big green scale in every Publix. Well, they asked why, 
And apparently, they're opening Publix in other states. They don't have the scale in the Publixes in the other states. No, really? It's just a Florida Oh, these are illegitimate Publixes. <laughs> I guess so. Um, so the reason why they had a Publix is that at the time when the first Publix was opened... Says the scales have actually been there since Publix founder George Jenkins opened his first food palace, Publix, in 1940. At the time, the only opportunity to weigh yourself was at the doctor or maybe by finding a coin-operated scale. Jenkins offered it as a free service, and it stuck. Wow. So back then, if you wanted to get on a scale, you had to put in a coin somewhere, and he's like, I'm just going to offer it for free. It's kind of like Wawa offering free air for your tires, I guess. So, and by the way, the original public scale still works from the original store. Wow. It now sits in the late founder's old corporate office where new associates see it when they take tours. <laughs> that is a public staple, though. It if is. If you go on a public, I've seen people look for the scale. You know what I mean? I know. Mean? I use it. something that you do That's on the, the way out. That's the only scale I use is the public scale. I'm Every not going to lie. Every little kid that goes in Publix on the way out goes, can I weigh myself? Can I weigh myself, <laughs> mommy? Can I weigh myself, daddy? Can I get on the scale? So so what's really interesting is that Publix, the, oh, the company that made the scales, doesn't make them anymore. So what Publix oh. did is they made a bunch of them. They got a bunch of them made and they have them in a warehouse somewhere. Really? So when they open a new Publix, they get it from the warehouse and put it in the Publix. Oh my God, I'm so stunned. <laughs> I need a subscription to Tampa Bay Times right now just because they did this hard hitting investigative. Yes. I know, on the public scale. But apparently people from out of state, this is the only grocery store that does this. Right. So yeah. like people from out of state, they see a scale and they're like, what in the world? Yeah. Is there a scale in a grocery store? Well, that's why. There's a lot of reasons there should be scales in grocery stores. <laughs> All right. So I thought, thought you'd find that interesting here from Ford. And Deborah Roberts is coming in right now. She's going to talk about the latest news, including Trump's legal team, that letter they sent to Robert Mueller. It's 8 o'clock on Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. It is Monday morning here on the 50,000-watt front porch where we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 102.5 WFLA. Filling in for Bud, this is Yaffe. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, Trump's legal team claims he can't obstruct the Russia probe. And according to a new study, working sick can make you poor. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. So what is going on with the North Korea summit? What are the latest on that? Is the summit going to be on June 12th? We're going to talk with our national correspondent, Bill Zimfer, on that next. And good Monday morning. It's 8.03 on News Radio 102.5. Rudy Giuliani says President Trump could have shot former FBI Director James Comey to end the Russian investigation and not be prosecuted until after he left office. In an interview with HuffPost, Giuliani claimed Trump's power as president extends so far that he can't be indicted on a criminal charge or even subpoenaed for questioning. Giuliani said if Trump did shoot Comey, he'd be impeached the next day. Then, Giuliani said, prosecutors could do whatever they want. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Giuliani was everywhere yesterday. Yeah, he was. Talking to the Huffington Post on all the Sunday shows. Jeez. <laughs> A busy man. Guess so. The Nobel Prize winning anti-nuclear group ICANN says it will pay for the costs of next week's summit between President Trump and North North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. The historic meeting is set for June 12th in Singapore and the North Koreans, despite being cash poor, 
want to stay in a $6,000 a night hotel. Well, then there's the cost of travel and security. So to put aside any concerns over the bill, ICANN says it will use its Nobel Prize winnings to pay for it. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting details coming out about the future summit. Um, We're going to talk with our national correspondent on that in the next segment. All right. Well, Apple is expected to take up phone addiction and software changes at today's annual Worldwide Developers Conference. CEO Tim Cook is set to announce the company's latest software updates at the conference in San Jose. Apple will apparently address phone addiction as part of its digital health platform. Some new features to help control phone usage may include ways to set limits for time spent on certain apps. A new study co-authored by Florida Atlantic University claims that not getting paid sick leave at work drives people into poverty, and it goes beyond the fact that lower-paying jobs tend to not offer sick leave. That's according to Florida Atlantic professor Leanne Derrignay. So It's not just the idea that you might be working while you're sick. It's that, you know, you, are, you could potentially be losing, you know, eight hours of wages if you decided to stay home and take a sick day. You could also be putting your job at risk. Derek Ney thinks her study makes the case for laws requiring paid sick leave, which is a very unpopular idea in Tallahassee. Governor Rick Scott signed a law five years ago banning local sick leave ordinances. In local news, firefighters in Seminole County are mourning the loss of one of their own. Sanford Fire Department Lieutenant Mike Salber was killed this weekend when his powerboat collided with another while racing in the Jacksonville Grand Prix of the Sea on the St. Johns River. Three others were hurt, but there's no word on their conditions. On Facebook, Salber's girlfriend wrote that he was thrown from the boat after the collision and he died instantly when his boat landed on top of him. Meal kit company HelloFresh is going to start selling its kits in grocery stores. The company said Sunday it'll soon be on shelves at more than 580 giant food and stop-and-shop stores. More locations are in the works, though. It's part of a trend in the meal kit delivery industry. Blue Apron last month unveiled plans to start selling its kits at Costco, while Kroger purchased the Home Chef line. And finally, a new book penned by best-selling author James Patterson and former President Bill Clinton is being released today. The book is titled The President is Missing. It marks the first time a president has collaborated with a best-selling novelist on a work of fiction. WFLA News Time, it's 8.07, and you can watch as hundreds of dolphins are seen playing with a baby humpback whale in Monterey Bay at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando with Yaffe starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. And this is Yaffe filling in for Bud. Bud will be back next week. We are going to take calls on any subject for Open Mind Monday. It's Monday at 8 o'clock, so that's what we do. So you can call right now, 407-916-5400 for Open Mind Monday. We're also going to talk with our national correspondent, Bill Zimfer. He's going to give us the latest details on North Korea A lot of interesting stuff coming out of North Korea. We're not sure what this means for the summit and we'll update you on all the latest next. And we have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. The beginning, I don't say, and I've never said it happens in one meeting. You're talking about years of hostility, years of problems, years of really hatred between so many different nations. But I think uh, you're going to have a very positive result in the end. 
So that is President Trump commenting on the upcoming summit with North Korea's leader Kim Jong-un, kind of saying that this is going to be a process, that this is going to take a while, that it's not going to all be solved in just one meeting. Now, we remember that we had the meeting, then he canceled the meeting. Now it looks like the meeting is back on. A lot of new details that broke over the weekend on this upcoming meeting. So I wanted to bring on News Radio 1025 national correspondent Bill Zimfer on this as well. Bill, good morning. How are you? I'm great, Mike. Good morning. Yeah, a, a lot happening here. And uh, the president now does admit that this is not going to be a one and done. Uh, there are going to have to be several meetings, maybe many meetings to finally get to the ultimate goal here. Uh, but we're eight days away. And uh, and it, it's very difficult to believe that we are going to be prepared to talk about things like denuclearization eight days from now, because yeah. what we're in, the, what we're talking about now is things like how to get Kim Jong Un to Singapore. Apparently, they don't have an aircraft that's available to go that far from North Korea. Uh, number two, who will pay the bill for the North Korean delegation in Singapore? They say that they cannot handle that financial burden. Uh, so at this point, we're talking about those things hard to believe that we'll be ready to talk about denuclearization when this occurs on june 12th and the president has said this is going to be a meet and greet plus meaning uh photo ops a lot of smiling a lot of handshaking uh things like that i do not expect a whole lot to get done at this meeting and it seems like we're still kind of trying to figure out what kim jong-un is up to i mean it broke over the weekend that he wants to possibly meet uh, Syria's leader, Assad. What's that about? Well, Kim Jong-un has become quite the social butterfly, hasn't he? He's, <laughs> yeah. uh, he met with uh, Russia's foreign minister last week. He now, uh, Bashar al-Assad says he's going to North Korea to meet with Kim Jong-un. Exact date has not been set on that as of yet. That's concerning for a couple of reasons. Number one, these two countries have been uh, you know, in the bad boys club for a while. And there's talk that they yeah. have uh, they have collaborated on chemical weapons projects. And number two, this will be the first foreign head of state that Kim Jong-un has hosted since taking power in 2011 in North Korea. Usually that first foreign visitor is a, a heavyweight, a big ally, somebody or somebody you want to have relations with. But that it's, the fact that it's Bashar al-Assad is a little bit concerning. And Kim Jong-un now, now also says he's going to go to Russia at some point and meet with Vladimir Putin. So uh, a lot of reasons to be concerned. Kim Jong-un is certainly covering all of his bases, that's for sure. I mean, I don't, I don't understand how this helps his negotiations with us. I mean, Assad's going to go there and probably try to talk him out of getting rid of his nukes, you would think. I don't know. <laughs> That's crazy stuff. So um, North Korea, it also broke over the weekend that North Korea, uh, Kim Jong-un's kind of shaking up his military leadership. Mm. What, what is he doing? Well, he has removed his three top military officials uh, and replaced them with younger people. Now, uh, in the past, uh, there have been some pretty horrific things that happen to people that lose their status at the top of the military hierarchy in North Korea, uh, either being shot or uh, otherwise thrown into labor camps and things like that. Uh, so the reasoning behind this unclear, but it could be good news that perhaps Kim Jong-un is trying to replace the old guard 
uh, who pushed for a nuclear program with younger people who might be more in line with Kim Jong-un's reported thinking that he wants to revive the economy of North Korea and give up his nuclear weapons program. That could be part of this as well. But it's usually not good news for those people who are replaced in North Korea because they often just disappear. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, So... There was also reports as well that maybe when they dismantled or blew up that nuclear test site, that Mm -hmm. it was kind of just a show that they really didn't blow it up. I mean, what what what's that all about? Well, they blew something up. We know that. Uh, We're not sure what it was. And because there are a couple of things that uh, that result in a lot of skepticism. Number one, they did not allow any type of atomic inspectors in. All they allowed in were journalists who had no knowledge of exactly what to look for uh, and how to verify that they were actually blowing things up. There were also reports that they did move some things out of the tunnels before they blew them up, whether it be documentation, whether it be certain equipment. Uh, We don't know because again those uh those knowledgeable uh inspectors were not there to view any of this so and you you add on top of that that this nuclear test site uh at pangiri was reportedly damaged beyond repair last fall uh during their last nuclear test that uh it's it's ultimate demolition or or supposed demolition may be a moot point anyway because it may not have been usable Well, a lot of different facets to this whole North Korea situation and the upcoming summit. And if anything more breaks, we'll try to bring you back on again, Bill, and uh, get the latest from you. Always do a great job for us. And as well, we'll talk to you again next time. All right. Thank you, Mike. You got it. That's uh, Bill Zimfer, our News Radio 1025 national correspondent. So it's Open Mind Monday. We have open lines, so you can call 407-916-5400 on any topic. If you have a comment on North Korea, do you think this North Korean summit is going to work out? Do you think we'll actually get a good deal out of it? Or do you think it's all a show and North Korea is doing what they've always done to us? 407-916-5400. We have that in Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So at the end of the last hour, I read a story from the Tampa Bay Times talking about the scales at Publix. Now, if you live in this area, you know what I'm talking about when I say the Publix scales. Publix, when you go in the Publix grocery store at the front of the store, in every store around here, there's a big green scale that you can step on. And it's like an old-fashioned thing and weigh yourself. It's the only scale I use. And the Tampa Bay Times actually did a whole story investigating, why does Publix have these scales? Where did these scales come from? So it was a little bit of a lighter story I did in the last hour, but people actually were texting on it, and you can text to 23680 with standard message and data rates apply. One thing I said in the story, or what they said in the story, is that the new stores that they are opening up in other states, they are not putting the scales in. Only the new stores in Florida. That's the part where well, I guess scales. In. I guess if the scales are no longer being created, that makes sense. But yeah. It stinks for the people that don't live in Florida, man. <laughs> I know. They got, they got to have it. Well, one person texted and said, lived in Orlando 25 years, still listen to you on iHeart. He says, we have scales in our public stores in Savannah. Well, there you go. So I guess in Georgia, maybe it's only the new stores they're building in I new gonna, states. I was going to say maybe those got in before you know the scale company went down. 
Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And then another person texted in, because this is what people care about, Paul. These are the <laughs> issues. Where's my public scale? Another person texted in and said, FYI, I shop at Winn-Dixie, and they have similar scales. I don't believe them. <laughs> you don't believe the texter? I shop at Winn-Dixie almost exclusively, at least here in Orlando area, right? Uh-huh. Castleberry Winn-Dixie, Fern Park Winn-Dixie, Lake Mary Winn-Dixie. Like, I can start naming them off. I shop at Winn-Dixie so much. And I've never seen a scale. I can't remember I ever seeing Winn a scale. I prefer to Publix, and I've never seen a scale. That's like blasphemy. I'm going to go search for said. one now. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, but yeah, I'll have to check that out because, yeah, you don't really notice it in other grocery stores. I'm going to go find one, though. I'm going right. to find me a Winn-Dixie scale. Find one, take a picture, and put it on social media. There you go. Or something. Because that's what we do. So, <laughs> so, but it was fascinating. I mean, when the Tampa Bay Times did the story, I have to admit, I clicked on it. I was like, well, I want to know where the scales came from. And it worked. It got my attention. And the fact is, the original Publix, he put a scale as a free service to people because back then, you didn't really have scales in your home. It opened in 1940. You didn't have scales in your home. They had scales... That you could put coins in and weigh yourself, and he's like, "I'm going to offer it for free." Is so, I'm I'm old enough to remember the coin scale. You are? Yes, I am. Where? Where did you see a coin I was, scale? When I was a kid in North Carolina, we used to you throw a quarter in there and you could weigh yourself. They had um, you know, like some. Of, I, I remember most of them were digital coin scales. Interesting. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen one in my entire life. I have no idea. I'm going to look up what. Look up online what they look like. All right, Deborah Roberts is going to come in and update the more important news at the bottom of the hour, <laughs> um, including what Trump's lawyers are saying about, or they wrote a letter to Mueller saying that Trump cannot obstruct justice. Double update the latest on that. It's 829 and Good Morning Orlando. So we keep learning about scales in grocery stores yeah. in Central Florida. This is really cool. Just because I did a story on the Tampa Bay Times had it. They had a whole story on where... The whole idea of scales in Publix, because everyone that's listening has been in the Publix. They've oh, seen yeah. the big scale at the front of the store. And if they're Where like me, you've, you've never stood on it because <laughs> you don't do public weigh-ins. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not part of the UFC. No. I'm not doing a public weigh-in. <laughs> well, well, I mean, the story talked about, and I always thought Publix was the only store that had that. But people keep texting in. You can text a 23680 saying that Winn-Dixie also has scales. One time for Winn-Dixie. So hey, take that Publix. <laughs> I, I just like the person who texted in that the public scales are a, are great for weighing your luggage to make sure it's not overweight before you head over to the airport. Oh, I've seen people weigh a lot of different things other than themselves on public scales. <laughs> Absolutely. Hopefully not anything illegal. <laughs> that you know of. <laughs> All right. So um, you can Keep text, those tips coming in. If you want to text more about that, you can. Or you can text on any topic for open mind. Monday, but Deborah Roberts. Uh, but do either of you have scales in your homes? No, nope, no. See, yeah, see, I if my I clothes use the don't, Publix one. Yeah, well, you use the Publix one, and I just don't want to know. <laughs> 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 don't want to know. <laughs> All right. Well, there's a lot of breaking news uh, that happened over the weekend in Trump world. And you're going to tell us some of that, Deb. Yeah, well, that is starting off with Rudy Giuliani as the new personal attorney saying President Trump probably has the power to pardon himself, but he has no intention of doing so. That is another really interesting constitutional argument. Can the president pardon himself? It would be an open question. I think it would probably get answered by, gosh, that's what the Constitution says. And if you want to change it, change it.
On ABC's This Week, Trump's personal attorney believes the political ramifications would be tough, though. He added pardoning other people is one thing, pardoning yourself is another. Giuliani explained other presidents have pardoned people in circumstances like this in their administration, and sometimes the next president, even of a different party, will come along and pardon. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. As Florida's U.S. Senate candidates battle for the support of Puerto Rican voters, Democratic incumbent Bill Nelson picks up an endorsement today. Pedro Rosello, the former governor of Puerto Rico and the father of the current governor, will announce his support for Nelson at appearances with the senator in Tampa and Kissimmee. Both Nelson and Republican Governor Rick Scott have been courting the vote of Puerto Rican voters whose ranks have swelled after tens of thousands relocated from the island to Florida following the devastation of Hurricane Maria. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration is forecasting clear skies for the next few days as far as the 2018 Atlantic hurricane season goes. The season officially got underway last Friday, but Mother Nature didn't wait for that official date. Subtropical storm Alberto swept through the Gulf of Mexico two weekends ago. With its heavy rains and strong winds, the storm gave people on the Gulf Coast a preview of what the season might bring. NOAA predicts that the season will be about average. The agency believes there could be between 10 and 16 named storms with five to nine hurricanes. Of those, as many as four could be Category 3 or higher. I'm not ready. I know, I'm not ready. (laughs) Just letting you know. (laughs) I don't want this to be a three-peat, you know, three years in a row we all have to sleep in the station again. Yeah. There's just some things you don't want to see. (laughs) Meanwhile, despite the heavy rain from Alberto, Collier County won't see a big increase in its mosquito population. That's what Mosquito Control District Executive Director Patrick Lynn says. He believes that compared to last year at this time, the mosquito population is actually lower. And he says Hurricane Irma could be a big reason why. Lynn recently told the Naples Daily News after Irma, he noticed while inspecting mangroves that silt was replaced by salt. And that could have reduced the number of eggs able to hatch. Good news wait, for them. Wait, I'm, what does it have to do with Irma, though? Because Irma, the storm surge, oh, forced the salt okay. water into the mangroves farther in so the mosquitoes gotcha. weren't able to lay their, legs and, uh, lay their eggs and have them hatch. Very interesting. Yeah. And if you have, huh. if you, uh, this hurricane some season. Some good news out of that hurricane. Exactly. <laughs> and here's some more. All shelters, at least in Sarasota County, will be pet friendly. Florida's former FEMA chief, Craig Fugate, says officials decided this would be best. We're doing the review, and the Sarasota County folks said, you know, it doesn't make sense to make our our folks drive past a shelter uh, just because they had their pets with them to go to a pet-friendly shelter. So the school district, the county commissioners, uh, all the city officials, they all got together and said, we're going to make all our shelters pet-friendly. Yeah, let's hope that Orange County and the other counties in central Florida will follow suit with that, because Fugate says residents with their furry friends in Sarasota County won't need to worry about finding a shelter if they're forced to evacuate this hurricane season. If you don't know and you're new to Florida, hurricane season will last through the end of November. Fugate said the county invited him to help with it, uh, it with its after-action study following last year's hurricane season, and that's when officials decided it would be best to roll out the pet-friendly policy. Something Good. to keep in mind, because if you do have to leave and you've got furry yeah. friends, you can't just show up anywhere. You can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. But the third hour of Good Morning Orlando with Yaffe continues now with more tips on scales at Publix <laughs> and Winn-Dixie. Yeah, yeah, we can't leave them out. And Winn-Dixie. All right, so um, it's open to my Monday. If you want to call on any topic, you can 
Call right now, 407-916-5400. We have Deborah Roberts updating the latest news. Paul is producing today, and Stephanie screening your calls. It's 839 here on Good Morning Orlando. Well, it would not be Open Mind Monday if Bertha from DeLand did not call. So, Bertha, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Yaffe, and hi, Paul. Hi, Bertha. How have you been? <laughs> that I uh, agree with John Morgan. It, Rick Scott is probably in the drug company's pocket, okay? I remember when I moved here in 99, and this old lady used to drive herself to the supermarket to get her drug. She couldn't see, and I didn't know she couldn't see. And she said, one of my medicines is over $500. I said, $500? Because I don't take medicine. And she said, but I have nobody to come and get. I have to drive here and hope I don't kill myself or somebody. Elderly people pay more for their medicine than anybody. And if smoking going to help them and cut down on their bills, so be it. So what about, because I get a lot of people that say um, the only reason John Morgan supports it is because he has a lot of money interest in marijuana. Do you think that's a possibility as well? Because you're saying Rick Scott might have money interests against I'd it. I'd like to know how much he's gotten for governor and senator from the drug companies. Seniors pay more for their medicine than anybody, and I thank God that I have never drank, smoked, or even on medication for 50 years. But I feel sorry for the seniors. Let them smoke all they want. All right. All right. Appreciate your call. That's brother. That um, She's talking about, because earlier in the show, uh, we talked about and played some audio from John Morgan and Rick Scott because there seems to be a battle of words between the two of them. Uh, Rick Scott is appealing a decision by a Florida court that said the Florida court ruled that banning smoking medical marijuana is unconstitutional. Rick Scott and the Florida legislature believe they have every right to ban smoking medical marijuana. So Rick Scott is appealing that court decision. Well, John Morgan taking a little lesson from Trump, got on Twitter, and he's been all over Twitter trying to uh, get Rick Scott to get rid of that appeal, to not appeal, and to allow people to smoke medical marijuana. My opinion on this was, I don't. if it's legal, I don't really see what the big deal is on letting people smoke it in their own house. Now, I did get people texting in saying, well, what if they have kids? Wouldn't that affect the kids? Or what if they do it on the porch? Wouldn't that affect their neighbors? It's actually an interesting point that I hadn't really thought of. I don't know if that's enough to ban legalizing smoking medical marijuana. But to me, the law, it's the law. Now, I also made the point, and there seems to be evidence to suggest I've been right on this, that this is really all about a stepping stone to full legalization. I think there are a lot of people, not everyone, there are some people in this movement who really need medical marijuana, and there are doctors who really believe it is better to have to give patients medical marijuana. But I do think there's a lot of people who are pushing for this who really, if you waterboarded them and got the truth out of them, who really want full legalization of recreational marijuana. It seems that all of the those running for the Democrat side, running for governor on the Democrat side, all of them, it seems like, either support legalizing marijuana or at least decriminalizing possession of marijuana. 
I, I think I think it's coming. Unfortunately, I think I think it's going to be full, fully legalized in this country within the next maybe 10 years. Maybe that that soon. It's going to be legalized in most states that soon. And unfortunately, I think there will be some negative effects to it. I think it will because more people are going to do it. I think it will, you know, have problems. Some people will get addicted to it. Some people will drive with it. It will ruin families. It will ruin relationships. And people will tell me, well, alcohol does all those things too. And that's legal. So what about marijuana? And I would say, well, you're right. Alcohol does all those things. And alcohol has had some negative effects on our society. Some. Yeah, alcohol's had a lot of <laughs> negative effects on our society. Any any reasonable person looking out in the world will see that there are some negative effects to being alcohol being out there. DUIs is a, an example, but I mean, there's a reason why Alcoholics Anonymous exists because it has negative effects. I'm not saying we should we should ban it or anything. That's not my point. My point is that if we legalize marijuana, it's going to have some negative effects. But we as a society have to determine whether those negative costs, those negative effects are not as bad as the benefits of legalizing it. That's my point. Because I feel like when I talk to a lot of people when it comes to marijuana, they say they act like there's not going to be any negative effects. That it's all going to be for the the good, all going to be on the plus side if we fully legalize marijuana for recreational purposes. That it's all going to be for the good, that it doesn't really do anything bad. I honestly think that's naive. I think it will have some negative effects. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't legalize it because maybe the benefits outweigh the cost. That's my opinion on that. If you want to call with your opinion on that, you can call 407-916-5400. I still have to talk to Paul and give our take on what's going on with North Korea. And we'll do that next. We have Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in just two minutes. News Radio 1025 WFLA. So something that Bud has said on the show before and I have said on this show and my show is that I think there are some internal divisions in North Korea. And that's why there's been a lot of shifts in what's going on before the summit, because North Korea was playing really nice. And then all of a sudden they weren't playing nice. And then all of a sudden they're playing nice again. And then there was a report that Kim Jong-un was afraid there was going to be a coup while he left for the summit. Well, the breaking news this morning that I just said about top three military officials being replaced, that seems to confirm exactly what Bud and I have been saying for weeks, that there's something going on in that country, that it seems like maybe Kim Jong-un is willing to be nicer to us, maybe open up the country a little bit, maybe get rid of the nukes. But he has some hardliners there that disagree with him. And he's in the process of getting rid of them. So we'll see what happens. It all could just be a show as well. Who knows? It's North Korea. We'll find out eventually. But I find it very interesting. That's something Bud and I both have mentioned. And it seems that the evidence is proving us right. All right, so we talked about medical marijuana and recreational marijuana in the last segment, and of course, we got some calls on that, so let's take a call here. Let's go to Peter in Orlando. Uh, Peter, what's your take on this? Yeah, I think the big thing that's going to be holding up this uh, uh, legalization of marijuana 
is the fact that there's no roadside sobriety test for it developed. And a friend of mine in law enforcement basically says that's their trump card. If this ever gets close to being legal, they're going to go ahead and just make it clear that there's no way of testing the sobriety of a driver, whether they're uh, whether they're high or not. Interesting. You can make didn't, put your finger on the nose, but you can't you can't do a breathalyzer. Didn't the FTOT though just start a program that if you get caught driving high, you'll be arrested? But how do they test that without a blood test? Yeah, that's true. I guess we we had asked um, Kim Montez, who is with them, and she said there were other ways to test it. But you're right; that could be that could be an issue because I guess you can't you can't take a breathalyzer, can you, to prove that you're high? I you're you're right. It's something I really hadn't thought about. Right. So I mean, and I, I got this from a law enforcement officer that's pretty high up in the food chain, and they said they they don't talk about it publicly, but they'll use it as a trump card to make this all go away if they get close. Huh. I don't know if it's going to work. Thank you for your call, Peter. I still think it's going to end up being legalized. Um, let's take another call here. Let's go to Lori in Sanford. Lori, what's your take on the whole medical marijuana controversy? Well, my my take is that uh, I have a medical problem. I do where I have pain. Uh, where If I take a couple of puffs off a cigarette of a, of a joint or something, it will relieve my pain. It does not really impair my driving. However, now, um, if, hmm, how do I say this? That, well, you, no, I don't think people should be getting high and just speeding down the road doing this. However, I don't think it's, they should be testing people for driving under the influence of alcohol more uh, so than marijuana because most people if they're going to be relieving their pain are going to be staying at home interesting uh, all right Lori. um have to cut cut you off there um so we'll see what happens with that i think it's going to be fully legalized in my lifetime all right i appreciate y'all listening to the show this morning i will be back on again tomorrow morning bud will be back on later this week i want to thank paul for producing and Steph as well for screening your phone calls and all in the show just like Bud does. God bless you and God bless America. Catch you next time.